0: Hello, friends. I'm Ashish Sabari, founder and CEO of AXMISE. To our new listeners, welcome to our old ones. Welcome back. Happy New Year. We are in 2021. So let's hope that we are embarking on this with a fresh perspective, with new energy, and I've got somebody very exciting today in-house to give us a boost. Uh, We have none other than the CEO of RISC-V International, Calista Redmond. Hello, Calista. welcome.
1: Hi, hello, great to be here. Thanks so much for inviting
0: me. Oh, you're welcome and thanks for taking time out. And especially this is our very first podcast this year. So, hey, um, I have been following the RISC-5 story for some time and um, I remember meeting you in 2019 when the world was still quite normal. Uh, Talked to you and heard your talks. And a lot of us know you, or at least we think we know you, but if you don't mind, Callister, can we get to know you a little better? Uh, where were you born?
1: I was born in uh, Minnesota. And uh, so I grew up in the Midwest and uh, proceeded from there to Chicago, then Washington, D.C., then New York City, and uh, back to D.C. again. Uh, so it's been a little bit of a geographic journey uh, up until then, but I've been here now for somewhere around 20 years.
0: Very nice. And how did you end up running the RISC 5 Foundation? I mean, how did you actually wander into science and high tech? Actually, that, that is something that intrigues me when I talk to people.
1: Yes, absolutely. So, you know, my personal journey, I uh, uh, ended up at IBM for about 12 and a half years. And through my experiences there, you know, I was working on so many different relationships between companies. I was always in the hardware part of uh, IBM, ranging across all of their brands, systems and technologies. And you know, throughout my experience there, whether it was with uh, mergers and acquisitions or divestitures or large scale alliances with any uh, flavor of different ecosystem partners, I came to really uh, focus on where we can level the playing field and allow maximum participation from entrepreneurs to multinationals. And you know, open source is really the force of change in technology and uh, where you find uh, a lot of synergy and positive energy amongst uh, all sizes, shapes, and uh, interests. So that's uh, what led me to open source. What led me specifically to Risk Five International was the great opportunity that had been unmet uh, through proprietary architectures, and the you know sort of the groundswell movement that had started uh, with so many different forces at play that made this the right time and right place and right technology to embark on uh, sort of that level
0: of collaboration so basically soon after you left IBM. You joined the Res 5 Foundation, is that right?
1: Yeah, I basically went uh, out one door into the other.
0: Oh, wow. Awesome. And at IBM, you were mostly dealing with business side of technology? Or, yes, exactly. I, I,
1: you know, I am not the one that you want hands-on code.
0: Oh no, that's, that's always useful, right? I mean, we're, I'm running this company and I fully value and appreciate the business side <laughs> and why we need experts like yourself. So can yeah, you know, when, yeah, when, sorry. You,
1: when you think about, when you think about technology decisions, it's never because technology is cool and you can, you know uh, improve performance or, or any other dimension at the, at the tech level. You also always have to have that business case. You, Absolutely. you can go to the boss and say, hey, this is the coolest thing ever. Uh, the boss is going to turn around to you and say, all right, show me the money, yeah. right? Where am I going to save money? Where am I going to have expanded opportunity? And so those dimensions are critical for any technical decision.
0: So so this is a very interesting point you made. And, and I wanted to ask you another question, but I just want to pick you on this one. So coming from a corporate world, um, the mammoth IBM uh, driven by profit and loss and the commercial interest, you're certainly now driving completely opposite ecosystem with a completely different focus, which is, of course, on business and growing other businesses. But it's, the view is certainly not so much on P&L, but mostly on driving a change in the way the world moves on. So it's a very different path. How did you... It's,
1: it's amazing. <laughs> It's different, but it's a very close cousin, or maybe even a sibling. It could be a twin, right? I mean, open source has been a key element of uh, IBM's strategy for decades, mm-hmm. right? They were one of the first uh, huge proponents of Linux and uh, really helped to underwrite an entire movement. Mm-hmm. And their commitment to open source is not just self interest, although, you know, being able to uh interoperate with other uh pieces of the ecosystem more transparently is absolutely critical to any business. Uh, and that's where, you know, long ago, you know, nearly a century ago, we started cultivating standards, uh, open global standards that everyone could ascribe to and attach and uh, attach the technology to. And it's, it's no different, really, when you start to tackle things like open source software or open uh, standards and standard specifications like we are in, in RISC-V. So it is actually a critical piece of strategy to be able to collaborate closely with your innovation partners, with your supply chain, and then to expand your market opportunity as well.
0: Yeah, very interesting. Very interesting perspective. So... Let's talk about RISC-V. So we know RISC-V is the fifth uh, generation of the architecture. And um, for those of us who've been a, around for longer, it seems that it's always been around, thanks to David Patterson. Um, but what exactly happened in the last decade to spur this massive movement into open source ISA? I remember in my days at Arm we were Living in this world that ARM would be the architecture for the digital world, and this is where the corporate messaging was going, that was a decade ago. And it looks like in this last decade, um, especially in the last few years, I think this whole uh, movement towards open source ISA has picked up massively. What do you think is the main reason behind it?
1: Well, you know, so if you, if you go to its roots, uh, Risk v was uh, cultivated at Berkeley with the intention to uh, enable universities and students to be able to design from the ISA to tape out. And, you know, while that aspiration was, uh, you know, noble, it soon caught the commercial interest as well, because there is that level of transparency that was basically unheard of in the proprietary space. You know, you would get to a point where, you know, you would encounter the black box. But, you know, the influence that has driven this to broader commercial adoption is really around the business side. It's around opportunity. And that opportunity has been exploding. I mean, you think about it now, you could have a uh, microprocessor in your toothbrush, in your car, you know, a dozen of them in your phone and the ability to maximize and optimize those design points based on an open uh, architecture and one that is small uh, and very modular has really spurred interest in RISC-V. If you look at you know most of the architectures out there, you're, you're you know one example is you know 1500 instructions in the base ISA. RISC-V has 47 mm-hmm. and the reason that we got to this point historically is that those traditional, uh, you know, architectures were built incrementally. You kept adding on and adding on and piling on as you encountered new workloads. And Risk Five takes a modular approach where, you know, the base is frozen and then you add on those extensions that are relevant to your workload. So at a business model, uh, the dynamics have changed. The you know the, the, the base equation has changed. It used to be price and performance, and the third variable now that has come into play is really design flexibility, mm-hmm. and that's something that you can achieve well, ensuring that you have maximum security and transparency through the entire code stack that has really spurred this moment. But when you know the business side of it. Purely is around that opportunity. You see an explosion in IoT, in industrial, in embedded, in in AI, and ML. You know, name your buzzword, and there's a custom processor opportunity.
0: That's right. That's right. And in fact, you, you nailed it. Um, I think there is a business side of things which initially gave it a spur, but actually, the architectural simplicity is is astounding, uh, especially if you look at the other architectures in the industry. Um, And I think most of us who did, you know, starting with Motorola architectures and then the Intel architectures and then going to the arm. Um, So I I can see that this combination of driving it for business reasons, but keeping it simple and extensible um, and being able to allow everybody to contribute to create a transparent system basically for making sure that modern verification concerns such as safety and security are addressed properly. So, yeah, thank you. Thanks for clarifying this. It's, it was useful. <laughs> you know, sometimes you think you know why things are happening, but <laughs> you don't really until we have a chat like this. So, you know, sometimes you need a revolution to drive major changes. And I clearly think RISC-5 is a revolution. Um, and they are often a force for good. And, um, you know, I'm I'm also quite a big believer of uh, philosophy of science and, and I've read a lot of Kuhn's work in Harvard Philosopher. And you know sometimes you really need to rock the world I wouldn't want to say this but last year 2019 was rocked in the bad way you could argue but at the same time science pulled along and the way science has moved in the last year I don't think science ever collaborated uh, that way but you know anytime we move too fast there's always this danger of um, you know running too fast before you've actually learned how to walk so with this rapid growth of RISC-5, and especially the distributed nature of it, um, what do you perceive are the challenges for further growth and adoption? Uh,
1: first, I, I, on your first point of revolution, mm-hmm. so if you take you know the philosophy, whether it's for technology or economics or politics or anything, uh, at a philosophical level, when the world is faced, I'm, I'm going to go big here, the world is faced with a profound challenge. Uh, that challenge could be the pandemic of 2020. It could be you know economic turmoil, it could be a climate catastrophe, uh, you know, could be at a local or regional level, you know forest fires or um, you know a famine. When the world faces any of these challenges, they don't overcome them by taking isolated approaches. You overcome challenges throughout history, even in war. Right? You overcome these challenges by coming together, not coming apart. Absolutely. You come together on mm-hmm. a you know a mission that is clear uh, and meaningful. For everyone, and you know, so you take your village and you bring all of your experts from around the table. Um, you know, your doctors, your grocers, your farmers, and you bring that ecosystem or that village together to overcome those challenges. For Risk Five in particular, you know, you could look back in time to processor wars of the eighties. Right, so many independent approaches trying to take proprietary uh, position in those architecture wars. And that settled out, and Intel, you know, sort of took hold on the servers and and desktop space. One thing those have in common is they have a plug in the wall, a constant supply of energy. So the next revolution really came, you know, a decade or two later when we started having things uh, running off batteries, uh, you know, hopefully rechargeable batteries, and you know the advent of cell phones, tablets, laptops, other things that were disconnected from that constant energy supply now you still needed the massive volumes to achieve some level of uh economic uh, durable strategy as you did with uh the the prior kind of technical advances uh and that's where arm really kind of came into the the picture Mm -hmm. right they were able to tackle those technology challenges with, you know, a unique approach, which started to look like some level of collaboration. Yeah. (laughs) And now, you know, our current era of computing, those design points are getting smaller. The constraints are uh, around energy or, you know, if you're going into uh, security and stoplights and or, you know, automotive, where we have autonomous vehicles that you're hopeful won't run over the cat or the elderly crossing the sidewalk. You know, all kinds of different dimensions where processing is needed, and we needed a new approach. And that's where, you know, you see things like risk five coalescing around a shared interest to progress the state of the art while tackling, you know, the next, uh, the next wave of technology challenges. And that, you know, that third point in the uh, equation of design flexibility really starts to come to bear. So, you know, to to kind of go back to, um, you know, how will this continue to provide and persist strategically for many different companies? You don't see the same pressure of economics and volume because we've lowered the barriers to entry. Right. You you can now get to a custom processor with, you know, hundreds less developers and engineers with, you know, millions less in development expense, so you no longer need to meet the volume requirements in order to close your business case. And that allows for far more custom processors to go into far more types of implementation And you have reusable pieces and parts that you can draw from, which in turn will accelerate your development uh, timeframe. It reduces your development costs. It reduces your uh, time to market. It allows for expansion into other adjacent spaces. You know, you can take what you're doing in your wearables and uh, bring them into uh, other types of implementations. And that's why, um, you know, things like RISC-V are really taking root, not only with the multinationals, you know, you see Google, NVIDIA, Western Digital, Seagate, and others really investing deeply in Risk v but you've also got the playing field wide open for entrepreneurs. Uh, today, we have more than 100 companies who have uh, adopted RISC-V as their core strategy. Right. And the, you know, so there's a distinction there, right? The large multinationals have massive sunk investments in existing architectures. Yep. But they have a full foot in the water with RISC-V as they look to, you know, streamline their development, operate more readily together with their partners and whether those are innovation partners or supply chain and to be able to leverage those, you know, kind of reusable uh, pieces and parts Mm -hmm. to achieve a greater flexibility in existing processors or existing uh, products and other uh, pieces of their portfolio. And you see that in microcontrollers, whereby you have uh, entrepreneurs leaping into risk five uh, and and investing in that as their main uh, main play. And you see that in IoT and embedded, uh, you know, that's where it's kicking off. And then you see other, uh, you know, other pressures in the system, and mm-hmm. we'll just call those geopolitical, yeah. where you have entire regions and countries who want to achieve some level of technical sovereignty, but still participate in a global landscape. Yeah. And so you see the European Processor Initiative looking to leverage more open source and leveraging RISC-V specifically and acceleration. Uh, you see nations like China and India investing deeply in uh, risk five. You know, India, in particular, with the Shakti Project, has inspired an entire generation to adopt RISC-V from the university level to entrepreneurs and others that we see uh, coming to market pretty rapidly.
0: So what I noticed is that you've actually turned my question on its head. So I actually asked you for Challenges for growth and option. And what you're actually telling me are all the reasons why you see less challenges, but more opportunities effectively. Right. And that's what you're saying. I mean, of course, anything we do will come with its own challenges, but you're not actually seeing anything too obvious as a blocker at this point. Am I right in saying that?
1: There are challenges to growing any business. That's and right. if you want to point specifically to risk fund, we don't have the same decades of experience in cultivating that ecosystem to the depth that the existing architectures have. So, you know, the, the most obvious area is that risk time is moving so rapidly that the ecosystem is running to catch up. Yes. And that (laughs) ecosystem is like full tilt running to catch up. (laughs) And we see lots more VC investment. We see lots more existing, you know, folks investing in risk Five for all the dimensions that we need, whether it's at the operating system, whether it's around verification, whether it's around, you know, all the other pieces. And many of those we are. Uh, pulling into the Risk five community so that we don't uh, continue to develop independent or isolated uh, solutions, but rather collaborate on the best that we can to serve the broadest uh, set of stakeholders. So yeah, you know, where point, there yeah. are missing pieces and parts to the ecosystem, those are the ones that are are coming together even more rapidly. So we've seen, you know, a hundred percent increase. We've doubled the number of technical work groups over the last year. Uh, we've seen, you know, triple the number of folks engaging in our work groups to do those common deliverables
0: that we all need. Uh, if, I would, if it's something I would that like we to, all
1: need, then why do it yourself?
0: I, I would like to play devil's advocate. And I'm saying, I hope we don't have too many cooks now. <laughs> but. <laughs> I think we'll end up finding out who cooks what and what kind of meal is actually delicious. So that's the fun of, of growing things together. So um, what's next? So we've got a risk of five. I know there's a lot of work going on in open networking Foundation. Um, do you think GPUs are next? Do you think that might be also where people are, are craving to go and there would be probably open source GPU architectures and vendors trying to make things? You
1: know, we're seeing a lot of intersect from uh, HPC over to scale out cloud, and those are all about tackling new workloads or better uh, serving existing workloads. And those challenges are often around acceleration. Uh, We see a lot of competitive interest in cloud providers around AI or ML. And those particular types of workloads are where we're seeing a, uh, you know, a, a very strong interest and growing interest in the community. Uh, you know, at one point in time, uh, folks were sort of eager to relegate risk five to a particular corner of computing, and that's not where it's going to stay by mm-hmm. any stretch. We now see uh, strong examples from embedded to enterprise, uh, you know, through uh, various implementations and, and types. You know, we saw sci 5 in particular come out with a PC form factor. We have others that are developing for, uh, you know, university levels. And, and then, uh, you know, we see those going at scale. You know, Western Digital uh, around storage and memory. Uh, we see NVIDIA shipping, my, you know, RISC-V in all of their GPUs. Uh, and we see the level of collaboration across those interests is continuing to grow.
0: So I, the way I look at this is a world where we're not going to displace ARM or x86 or even MIPS or open power architectures. I think we might end up in a world where it will coexist happily. But I do see that RISC-5 would gain the major share of the market. What What are your thoughts on that?
1: I think that for those organizations and companies who have invested deeply in x86 and ARM, they're not going to rip and replace that. That is a really tough conversation to go have with the boss who said, well, wait a second, I gave you millions of dollars in engineers to uh, go go take this path, and now you're telling me you want to rip and replace. That's not where it's going.
0: Excuse me, unless you're Apple and you bring out a whole new M1 silicon on a completely new architecture, and that is certainly a possibility so there not are not very many people yeah, have the pockets no, of apple that's right that's right yeah i totally agree with you not everybody would be in a position and perhaps um I- i'm pretty sure with the pockets of intel and the amds and, and the like and arm um I mean, these companies will innovate and potentially even embrace to some extent um ris5 architecture in the sense that <laughs> they- We might not even see them as x86 only companies anymore or ARM based companies. I'm I'm speculating.
1: Yeah, but you know, honestly, the needle is moving at the the volume side as well. Um, You know, it it used to be 30%, now it's growing to 40% of OEMs are uh, designing their own silicon. And every major OEM and other cloud providers have their own internal, uh, you know, semiconductor arena where they're looking to optimize, especially you know, if you look at the white box side of things, they are looking at every aspect and feature and, and uh, you know, to, to sort of serve the workloads that they're looking at. So you're going to continue to see uh, some transition but architecture decisions are not made on the quarter or on the year, they're made for a generation of technology. That's right. And we see risk five uh, taking a central role as those new architecture decisions are being made. Uh, just as we once you know, only relied on our cell phones to make a call and you know, now we're eventually going to have our phones making us coffee. You know, those types of transitions and evolutions of technology call for new approaches. And mm-hmm. that's where risk five starts to play. It's not in ripping and replacing existing products and, and things. It's about going forward and tackling that next level.
0: And I think I see that more to be a natural evolution of rather than a revolution. So at that level things would automatically flow for the right reasons and people would would be making more use of risk five. Let's talk about my favorite topic, which is verification. So We specialize in formal verification at AXMize. And I've been watching the space of RISC-V, as I said, and and especially the verification work going on in the ecosystem. How would we ensure that reliability of RISC-V implementations will match the quality of verification that comes from proprietary architecture-based implementations of x86 and ARM, especially, again, as you also said, with decades of experience of building uh, custom chips and processors in all of these architectures. What are your thoughts on how the RISC-V ecosystem would cope with the verification challenges?
1: So I think you're seeing a lot of existing and, and large uh, verification shops starting to take a hard look at RISC-V and how we can accelerate our path to getting to that level of parity you are not, we are not taking a slow road here. We are taking a collaborative road and bringing the best minds together to tackle those challenges. And while, you know, many uh, shops are going to take their unique approaches, you have uh, some of the largest shops, you know, doing a both end approach to architectures, uh, realizing that the growth and uh, popularity of risk five is, you know, essentially going through the roof they see a you know a business opportunity to bring the same level of expertise to Risk Five as they do to other architectures in the portfolio.
0: Yeah, I mean, I certainly see a big momentum. Um, but what I do see is a gap. Is um, a number of um, like the big companies who are building Risk Five implementations certainly know what they're doing with verification. But some of the smaller ones are still playing catch up. But again, it's a collaborative effort. So. Companies such as ours and Imperas and all are joining hands and and looping in in initiatives such as the Open Hardware, <laughs> you know, the Chips yes, Alliance exactly. and, and so on. So yeah. awesome stuff, yeah, awesome. So hey, I know you're quite busy, and I'm um, just looking at the clock, and we're nearly half an hour. So I would like to take the opportunity to thank you for your time today and wish you a great new year, and we'll all um, do more work with risc Five. So. Thank you, Calista. Yes, I can't wait to uh
1: talk to you again in a year and, and uh, reflect back on the progress that we made in uh, twenty twenty-one. Uh you know, we, we made incredible progress despite so many challenges in twenty twenty. And uh, you know, the field is wide open and we're running fast.
0: Excellent. Thank you very much, Calista. Hey, friends, I hope you liked our podcast today. Do let us know by emailing us at info at or subscribing to our YouTube channel. Leave your comments in the video and we will be back shortly. Have a great, safe New Year. Thank you very much.